This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. I'm Paul John Dykes and this afternoon I'm joined once again by Laura Bradburn. We're going to be talking about Celtic 1, Wolves 1. Wolves did get the equalised in the second half, we'll be talking about that as well. But in terms of a workout, Laura, that has probably been the sternest, sternest test that we've had. And I think that Brendan would have learned quite a bit about quite a few of the players that started that game. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it was a really... Useful exercise. I think what's clear from what we saw in the second half was that we sacrificed a little bit in terms of um, first-team players and first-choice players for um, experimenting a little bit, and I think our our performance suffered a little bit because of that. But if you can't do it in a pre-season friendly, when can you do it? You know, that's that's the whole point of the process. So um, I think he'll have learned a lot about a few players, and I think he'll have learned a lot more about what he needs to get into the new season. The only thing that concerns you as far as that goes is trying to make sure that anything he has identified today we've got time to rectify. Yeah, seven days to the, the first competitive game of the season at Celtic Park. It's Flag Day, it's Ross County. Um, for anyone who's tuning in for the post-match, having not watched the pre-match or half-time bulletins, we'll start off by talking about Kyogo, Laura, because he has, over the last two seasons, been the talismanic striker who scored 50 goals for Celtic. Uh, last season was tremendous. I don't know if it's going to be his vintage campaign because he's a, a, he's a player who I think he just continues to impress and today against pretty decent opposition. I mean, where did Wolves come in the league last season? 13th, 14th in the EPL. Uh, Decent, strong opposition and he scored an absolute cracker and then he had a brilliant chance where he's dinked it over the keeper and it's just clipped the bar. Uh, I thought he was brilliant today and it bodes well for the season ahead. It does, it does. I mean, regardless of what importance you place on on Fred. Leeds, I think um, uh, strikers are a certain position where it's clear that you know, matter, no matter what game they're playing, you want them to be on form and you want them to be firing in all cylinders. And Hugo looks to have picked up where he left off as far as that's concerned. Um, still concerned that if he were to get another injury or if the shoulder injury that's been discussed were to flare up again or, or surgery was deemed necessary at some point during the season, that we might be left a little bit wanting up top. But 
as long as he's fit and he's able, he's he's as good as anything that anybody in the country is going to be able to to put up top. Yeah, I know that Jim Orr isn't a fan of pre-season friendlies. He made it clear yesterday, can't be bothered with them. Uh, meanwhile, Axom will cover every kick of the ball. Um, and Jim has a point to a degree, because if you were to go back to the first goal scorer uh, under Brendan Rodgers in his first time at Celtic, Laura, uh, during pre-season, it was Nadir chief chase. So that showed you all you need to know, because he did not play a part in Brendan Rodgers' tenure at Celtic Park. And then when you look at Ange Postacoglu coming in, who scored the first goal under Ange? Albion Ayeti did in the pre-season. So I get what Jim means. Uh, but yeah, good uh, workout for Celtic today. I think, you know, when we made the substitutions, the flow, the game changed a wee bit. Uh, that's understandable, but it's good to get these players on the park and to get, you know, minutes in their legs. And I want to talk about some of those players as well. But before I do that, the man who laid on Kyogo is the guy that I've been saying it's time to step out of Jota's shadows. I'd resigned myself probably in the final few months of last season to a bad leaving the club. I don't know why. I know he'd kind of made it known that he had ambitions to go elsewhere. There had been some talk, probably, you know, it was his agent putting it out there, Laura, that clubs were interested. We've heard, you know, um, Sport and Lisbon are interested. Fenerbahce might be looking at him. I think Rodgers can get an absolutely brilliant season out of Abada this season, going by today's performance um, and also what we've seen this pre-season. Um, Brennan Rodgers, for me, is the ideal manager at this stage of Abada's career. He should stay for at least one more campaign. Yeah, I think it's going to do Abada's game no harm to to get a little bit of input from a different manager and somebody as high calibre as Brendan Rodgers. We all see, we all saw what what Brendan did for, for players like Callum McGregor in his first term in charge and he's definitely got the ability to um, get the most out of players who have the ability but always, don't always show it on a consistent basis and I think Abada fits perfectly into that category. Um, Abada at full flight has provided some of the best memories I've had over the last two years, that, that late goal against Dundee United being the, the standout one obviously but if he can if he can produce stuff like that on a more consistent basis, um, then he's going to be a real thorn in the side of anybody that we come up against. I think domestically again he has provided and delivered a lot more consistently than he has in Europe. There's been numerous European games where when he has featured he's been a bit of a passenger, but I think that's as much to do with the difference in the way we have to play against stronger opposition as it is to do with his actual own performance. Sometimes he just doesn't see the ball because it's not getting to those areas of the pitch and it's not necessarily his direct fault that that's happening. But I really can't wait to see what Brendan brings out of him this season in terms of just making him much more of a threat going forward and much more of a a nuisance for defenders to deal with because it was clear, especially in the first part of the first half today that he was one of the biggest threats for us. There was um, the game, the 6-4 game, Laura, where I felt that Abada was a danger every time he got the ball. He was he was the kind of out ball for us down the right-hand side. He was making things happen. And then today, there was the obviously the Leon for the goal, which I thought was superb. But there was a moment in gain in the second half where he switched over to the left wing. The ball looked as though it was perhaps going to go out of play and he pulled it down, Jota-esque. And then I'm asking myself, what's he going to do with this? Because he's now got time to think. He had two Wolves defenders in front of him and he nutmegged one of them. And I just thought, 
you know, there was an element of flair, but a bit of confidence um, in Abada's play there that, you know, I keep going back to it. He was, he was kind of playing second fiddle to Jota because Jota had been, uh, you know, playing so well since he signed. And it's now all about you, uh, Lila Bada. Go out there and be the match winner. Be the guy that can show us the full repertoire of skills that you've got. And I think, I think, and I hope that that is what's going to happen this season. Let's get the thoughts of our commenters and viewers in on the action here. Stephen Sloan, you were quick off the mark in the first broadcast and you've done it again. Great workout today. Lots of positives. The only negative, to be honest, is Hart. He is clearly not the answer as our number one. We've got a lot of comments like that, and we will be talking about it. Um, I think the biggest talking point about Hart was that penalty um, that we were penalised for. And I've got to say, there is a comment here from William O'Toole, the last part of this comment. Uh, Doherty needs to take a look at himself. Yes, it was a clear dive for me, Laura. Clear dive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Kind of embarrassing, to be honest, to be... I, I mean, I would like to think players wouldn't resort to that kind of stuff at the best of times, but but to be doing it in a pre-season friendly where the result really doesn't matter is is, is pretty uh, pretty poor. Um, it took a couple of different replays and a couple of different angles just to get for certain because you just didn't know where that bottom left arm of Joe Hart's had gone. But once you saw it from that reverse angle, you could see it was... It was clearly a dive. And I think by his reaction as well, by the Wolves player's reaction, he didn't seem to be arguing too much against Joe Hart when he was remonstrating with him. So I think he knew exactly what he'd done. Um, and it is disappointing that, bar that, we would have come away from a, with a victory. But the other way of looking at it is we've made a Premier League side resort to that kind of tactic to be, uh, to, to be on par with us. And so we've got to take the positive out of that if we can. Yeah, and that left arm that you're talking about um, pulled off a crack and save at the end, 92 minutes into the game. Looked as though Wolves were, I would say, undeservingly going to win a, win the game and Joe Hart pulled off a crack and save. It is a discussion point Stephen brings up there about Joe Hart. We've been talking about goalkeepers. You look at the bench, Laura, I always think about that kind of second, the secondary issue. You know, you talk about the impact of Kyogo. What happens if he gets injured? Well, he was injured in his first and second seasons at Celtic for a spell. So, yeah, what happens if he gets injured? Are we happy with the backups? And I think the same with, with uh, Joe Hart. There was a moment in Angie's first season against Dundee United, you'll remember, where it looked as though he was injured. I think it was a one-each mm-hmm. game. Um, and, you know, you just looked at the, the bench and thought, let's hope he's not injured, because you, you were not confident that we had the backup um, going through the big, big games in the season. I'm a wee bit like that, but I'm of the view that if you're going to go out and buy a goalkeeper, don't buy someone who is ready-made as a backup. Now, is that why we brought Segrist into the into the club? We know that his first season wasn't ideal for him on a personal level. He plays two games in the League Cup, Laura. Um, but, you know, was he really going to be pushing Joe Hart for the, the gloves? I'm not sure. So I think if we were to sign a goalkeeper, I wouldn't be looking for someone just as a squad filler. I'd be thinking, right, let's sign someone who really will challenge Joe Hart this season. So I think it's a position that we will strengthen. Do we do it whilst we've still got three goalies at the club? Is that a bit top-heavy for you? Would you need to move on Bain or Segrist first? It is top-heavy for me. Um, The choice of who you move on is a difficult one because I would imagine, I don't know the figures exactly, but I would imagine it goes... Hart, Segrist, Bain in terms of wages and so there's a bit of you that wonders if we are going to bring in another keeper because we don't think the current keeper is up to scratch 
do you get rid of them in terms of in preference of salary rather than who you think is going to be involved more regularly because what's become clear is obviously you can never predict these things but Hart played the majority of of games last season do you just somehow find a way to offload him and replace him with somebody who you think is an appropriate alternative or do you use the opportunity to get rid of Segrist who doesn't look like he's going to get a shot with the team and and replace him with somebody and Hart becomes second choice but then you've got a second choice keeper who's more expensive in terms of weekly wages so it's a difficult one but ultimately that's up to the club to decide that I just know from watching the last few games this this preseason that Joe Hart is not going to withstand I don't think the the demands of a season of the number of games that he's played over the last couple of years and I think it's clear that we need somebody else in between the sticks who that is I've no no idea I actually wondered before he made the the move that he did if Owell Yemi would have maybe made an appearance or two this season and maybe started making his way breaking into the team because we've heard so many good things about him but that doesn't seem to be an option either so I think that's got to be the priority for me. I, I would say a left back and a goalkeeper are my two main priorities going into the rest of the season. Yeah, we'll talk about left back as well. Laura, the situation with it with Oluwiemi was in the first season under Ange Postacoglu, he did sit on the bench for two games and, you know, Bodo Glimt were the, was the European tie that he was involved in. So you're looking at that thinking, all right, he might be the fourth choice, but you know, as soon as a goalkeeper moves on, he, he works his way up that pecking order. This preseason, we've offloaded Barkas and Connor Hazard. They're out of the building, non-contributing players. I'm all for it. Move them on. And it leaves us with the three. Now, I guess we could run before. I just feel that it's too many. And um, either or of Seagrist or Bain, for me, could be offloaded and it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference because combined, they've made three appearances last season. And you'll remember Bain's one at Easter Road was hardly um, a, a memorable one. So I, I think that you know either or could move out. And if you're going to bring someone in, make sure that they're going to be pushing for a, a jersey, pushing for the gloves and, you know, Hart goes into his final year of his contract and if he's in and out of the side, if it's for the betterment of the Celtic uh, side, it's good enough for me. Uh, listen, I'm not having a, a go at him. I, I didn't see much today that made me concerned. All right, he never saved a, a penalty, but he doesn't save penalties, does he? Um, he, he made a, a really good save. The left-back positions are a wee bit more concerning uh, presently for me now. Again, not an opportunity to start having a dig at Greg Taylor. I just feel that you know, there's been a couple of occasions in the preseason where you're looking to Taylor, previously Starfelt, who wasn't involved today in Hart, to be the leaders, to be the ones that you know you you pin your hopes on, and everybody else who is maybe playing um, a rare appearance, making a rare appearance, or playing out of position in the in the case of Awata, would be looking at them. I didn't see it from Taylor today. I, I thought the best defender on show was Liam Scales. Yeah, I think Taylor probably suffered a little bit from what we all know he can suffer from, which is up the calibre of the opposition even slightly and he will start to struggle. He's he's more than competent and in fact he's probably the best left back in, in the league domestically. But there is a big jump between that and some of the opposition he'll be expected to face in Europe. And that's where he's really found wanting. Uh, the concern with that being that I think we're all in agreement that Brendan Rodgers has come back to this club because he's been offered the chance to 
to progress in Europe. There's no other reason he comes back because he's achieved everything that you can achieve as a Celtic manager other than that. Mm-hmm. And so if the main priority for the manager is to progress in Europe, you can't then have a left back who is obviously found wanting at that level. The diff- the, the the question and the difficulty then is can we afford somebody who's the amount of upgrade that we would need in that position? Because this might sound ridiculous to say, but behind forward players, I would say wing-backs and full-backs are probably some of the most expensive players that you can find just because of the the fashion by which tactics and systems go these days. There's a lot of reliance on full-backs and wing-backs and they're seen as very valuable. So trying to get a good one for your money is a difficult thing to do. And I think he will he will more than hold his own uh, domestically, as I've said, but we really need to make that upgrade for Europe and the the time is running out as far as that's concerned. You know, when you look at what he's done um, in a Celtic jersey, because I think he was written off by a lot of people, Ange Porsche was a manager that showed a great deal of belief in him and it was repaid. Taylor performed really well under Ange Porsche there's no doubt in my mind about it, there was one moment in that uh, game there that we've just played against Wolves where, you know, the commentary team said that that Taylor took one for the team. Um, no, I, I dis- disagree with that. I think taking one for the team, an example of that was Kyle McGregor against Motherwell with two minutes to go in the game where we're 2-1 up and Motherwell are on the attack and he gets sent off so that we win the three points. That's taking one for the team. Greg Taylor was left wanting. He was absolutely rinsed down the, the left-hand side. And because of that, he embarrassingly pulled the player back, to be honest mm. with you. It was almost like a body check because he was out-muscled. He didn't have the pace. Um, and he does what Greg Taylor does in a scenario like that. He looks at all the defenders to look at who's to blame. No, it was him. <laughs> it was his error. Uh, he didn't take one for the team. He took one to try and spare his own blushes. And I think that in a European game where the margins are going to be so, so fine and so tight, Laura, you just need everybody to be, um, you know, that wee bit more physical, that wee bit more alert. There was a couple of times as well, because I know that people will come back and say, but look at his productivity in terms of assists. There was a great move down the left-hand side, which broke down because Taylor didn't have that conviction when the ball came to him. He had to whip it over and he didn't. He took a touch, he looked up by which time the, the you know the chance was gone. Um, so if we're going to be looking at all the good stuff that, that happened today, we also need to look at some of the you know things that we're a wee bit concerned about, Laura. It's not about being overly negative, you know, but we've got seven days to go before we play competitively for the first time since Brendan came back to the club. Um, and I just want it to be right. And at the back, that's where I feel there are still some concerns. The front six, I'm much less worried about. You know, I look at the midfield. The midfield at stack today is for me our strongest midfield. I wouldn't tinker with that at the moment until there's a loss of form or, a, or an injury. And I think up top is exactly the same. So the front six for me, that's our strongest six. Um, and it's down to everybody on the bench or in the squad or newcomers to break into that. I, I'm pretty confident with it. Yeah, Hatati seemed a bit slack today. I think in, there's a thing about Hatati and it's not new that he gets the ball in he's in his own third of the park, you know, the defensive third of the park, Laura, and he plays as if he's in the middle or even up top. He doesn't care about the risk of the pass. That's the type of player that Rio Atati is. Mm. If you lose that ball in the middle of the park, it's not as dangerous if you do it. And he'd done it a few times today, I noticed. He was quite slack in his passing. 
Mm-hmm. By the way, I still think he's going to have a breakout season. Yeah, I think he, I think he deserves a little bit of criticism for his performance today. Um, again, though, perhaps that's his decision making being affected by the fact that he knows it's not a be all and end all game. Um, you can maybe compliment him for saying he's maybe trying to do something different or something unexpected. But I think on the face of it, he lost possession a few too many times today and that's something we really can't afford him to do uh, going into this season. I don't think it'll be a feature of his game that we'll have to worry about when when the chips are down. I think he will sort that out and I think it'll be a, a something that we won't need to be concerned about when the, when the, the games are back on. But... It is a feature of his game that I've seen from time to time, not as regularly as today, but just occasionally previously. But listen, Hatati's, you know, we talked about Greg Taylor not being uh, at the level that's required in Europe. Hatati absolutely is. And in and, and some of those games against Real Madrid last season, he, was, he looked as if he could have strolled into their team, to be honest. So when the circumstances and the occasion is right, Hatati's as good a footballer as we have. Just wasn't a good day at the office for him today. What I liked about last season is um, both Hatati and McGregor spoke about wanting to play Real Madrid. And it wasn't because they probably felt we could beat them. They just wanted to test themselves at that level, Laura, to mm-hmm. see how how wide is the gap. Am I a good enough player? What do I need to do to get to this level? And Hatati and McGregor have both spoken about it. I think this season's a wee bit different. I think when uh, I think it's the thirty first of August, the, the actual draw where we find out who we're in a group with. We'll be looking at that. For me, I'll be looking at it as a possible group we can get out of. Uh, mm-hmm. Rather than let's look at the glitziest ties and and play Real Madrid because we've never played them competitively. Uh, so this season I'll be viewing it completely differently. What's your take? Do you just like you know six big games, or do you think to yourself, no, I want I want um, eight games. I want to get out of the groups. Listen, there's a I've got a bit of a love hate relationship with the Champions League as far as Celtic's concerned because you're a you're in a hiding to nothing really. If you do manage to get out of the group stages, really the the most you can expect to get is another two, maybe another four games, but you're not going to get any further than that whatsoever. When I watched West Ham win the Conference League last season, you know, a lot of people call that a tin pot trophy and whatever. Ultimately, they won a European trophy and and I don't really care whether it's the Europa League or the Conference League. I, I prefer to be in a competition that I feel we have a real um, chance of winning. Having said all that, you won't find anybody more excited than me when the Champions League draws made if we come out with a Dortmund and a and a Real Madrid or or somebody like that 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 really you know gets the hairs on the back of your neck standing up in terms of where you end up going to play and who you've got coming to play you at Celtic Park. So I enjoy the glamour of the Champions League and I enjoy the opportunity to test ourselves against the best, but. If, if I was being completely honest with myself, I think I would say I would forego that for the chance to to have a deeper run in, in the Europa League or the Conference League because, you know, for my generation of Celtic supporters, there is no more magical memory than Seville. The only thing that would have made that better was if we had won it. But, I mean, nobody's sitting saying, I wish it had been a Champions League final. We loved every second of that. And if we could guarantee that we would repeat or even better that in the next couple of seasons you would you would bite the hand off for it yeah 20 years ago as well Laura 20 years since our last 
European final appearance, and that was her third appearance, of course, 1967 and 70, being the other two. Um, I, I mean, this season would be her last, her last chance, you would hope, uh, to play in the other tournaments because um, you want to win the league. 100% every single season you want to win the league but what that's going to mean in the future is that you're in the Champions League and that's it you don't mm. drop down to the you know there, there's not that tiering system where you drop down so this season probably would be your your last opportunity at the moment until it's restructured again I guess but yeah I've, I've never looked at the Conference League um, in such disparaging terms because I think back to you know I, I grew up with the European Cup the Cup Winners Cup and the UEFA Cup and whatever tournament you were in any kind of progress would have been phenomenal. I mean, we spoke last night, Roy Aiken and I, about some of the opportunities. He always wanted to do well in Europe, you know, because when he's broken into the Celtic side um, and he and he won the double under Jock Steen in 76-77, it's only 10 years after we've won the European Cup, Laura, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and at that point, you're still looking at what can Jock do to try and build a European side. Of course, we get to the, the quarterfinals of the Cup Winners' Cup the following season under Sean Fallon, as it happened, and uh, sorry, the, the previous season. And then we get to the European Cup quarterfinals under Billy McNeil in 1980. But between 1980 and Martin O'Neill coming to the club, we're nothing in mm. Europe. And he was talking about some of the opportunities, like the Rapid Vienna fiasco, where they've knocked us out after a, a third game had to be played. Um, and opportunities, little glimmers of hope that that was a season that you know, we had an opportunity because Rapid Vienna knocked us out in um, you know, circumstances that were not ideal. Uh, controversial is an understatement. But they got to the final and played Everton. You know, They actually got through to the final. Um, so I think that when you look at European football and, and where we are in the food chain, it's all about trying to get out that group and then building on that season on season. And then there could be that season, Laura, where, you know, in terms of the stars aligning, we're talking about breakout seasons. Next season, what if Hitate, Abada and O'Reilly step up, you know, and then they, you know, combined and are supplemented by two or three top-class signings. And then you've got the backbone of Kyogo, McGregor and Carter Vickers. Then you start seeing an opportunity there that, wait a minute, this is a team that's... Th- and, and Colin Watt and I spoke about it before. If you were to look at all the players who were still active in the game, who had played with Celtic in the previous 10 seasons, and it all happened at the same time, wow, then you've got an opportunity. Then you've got a team that would have Forster and Wanyama and Van Dijk and Tierney and all these incredible footballers all playing together. And it's not fantasy as such, it's about timing. You know, and if you incrementally improve season on season, it's difficult when you're losing a top player like Jota. Of course it mm. is, because he's so difficult to replace. But that's what I mean with Abada, time to step up son, and this season yeah. become that Champions League player, because we've not seen it from him yet. Yeah, I, I would really like to see him step up, become more consistent domestically, but especially in Europe and provide some of those, those magical moments for us. Because as much as I'm saying... I'd prefer us to be in a competition that we could win and obviously trophies are the be-all and end-all at the end of the day. We've had some magical moments in Champions League games. The the game against Pep Guardiola's Man City at Celtic Park was a fantastic game. Um, The two games that we beat Man United back in Gordon Strachan's time uh, um, were fantastic as well. The the Juventus 4-3 game at Celtic Park, I could list them off. You know, it's like there's plenty of... Plenty of, of magical moments, but just trying to balance up that those moments with, with the bigger thing and, and, and players like Abada are going to come in and hopefully 
make that difference for us. That was actually a nice segue to what I wanted to ask you. I've seen on Twitter this thing, right, where they tweet, who do you think of when you see this shirt? So I thought I'll put this shirt on today and I'll say, who do you think of when you see this shirt? There's only one player. There's only one player and it's Nakamura for me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, For two goals, for two goals, the goal against Kilmarnock, where he takes it off and swing it around his head where we won the league. And one of his free kicks, I've got to qualify that because he obviously scored two free kicks against Man United in the Champions League. One of his free kicks against Man U. So when I look at that jersey, first player on my mind is uh, Nakamura. But I like to uh, double up on these things by saying the cult kind of player that I remember was Tommy Gravison because I remember him being in Europe as well. I thought you were going to say Yuri Anisic, but... (laughs) Well... Until he started slagging off Scottish football last week, I might have done. But uh, <laughs> Tommy Gravison, I remember him running a bit like a headless chicken in that jersey a few times. Barry Lavery, uh, another dodgy penalty. Yeah, it was funny, actually. Uh, sometimes Greg, uh, Greg, Jerry McCulloch, comes up with a, a wee one-liner. He's done a few times this, this uh, pre-season, I've noticed. And he's done a cantwell, was what he called it, um, when the player dived, basically. Uh, we've also got personal Jesus. being a poor pre-season, but hopefully Brendan Rodgers can now strengthen. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I mean, I think, uh, as I said before, P- Portugal was about uh, was about fitness. Japan, initially about Brandon, but it was all about assessment for me. And, and the next couple of games, today and Tuesday night, is about us actually starting to see something resembling what will be a start of loving. Yeah, he's thrown in Welsh and he's thrown in skills today. I think it was a worthwhile um, experience to do that. Laura, because I thought skills over the piece played very, very well. I thought he could he'd come out of that game maybe giving Brendan something to think about. Well, listen, it's... it's... A, a, a new manager is of no more benefit than to somebody like Liam Scales, somebody who can come in and, uh, you know, reinvent himself, hopefully. Brendan Rodgers isn't coming in, presumably, with any preconceived ideas about what he thinks about Liam Scales. Unlike me, of course, who knows what I've seen of him over the past two years and then assumes, therefore, that he's not really got a future at the club. So... Brendan Rodgers is maybe coming at it with fresh eyes. He can take a lot more from a performance like today and say, no, I can get something out of this player. I personally am not sure that that still remains the case, but that's what the new manager's there for. That's why the players who have been a little bit out in the cold feel like they've got a, a brand new opportunity there. And fair play to him. If, if he continues with performances like today's one, He's obviously going to make the most of it and it's all to the better of Celtic. I look at it like in a tier system, Laura, who do I reckon is the the you know the backup goalie? Well, at the moment, I think it's Seagrist followed by Bain. Who's the backup centre-half? Well, based on performance, his skills is above Kobayashi for me, mm. uh, from what he's shown. I think whatever happens with William Scales at Celtic, he will eventually be become a full cap for Ireland. I think he's, he's shown enough that he will go to a club and it could be Aberdeen, although I don't think they're going to be able to afford the fee. Although they're in, in for a few players that are commanding decent enough fees, I don't think they're going to be able to pay the fee for scales. And then there's a decision to be made on whether he stays um, or goes out on loan to another club. A couple of things before we go. I don't want to uh, finish off by, without mentioning the performances of Yang and Kwon. It was the first sightings we had of uh, both players who I thought they got involved, Laura. They, they showed enough in their first appearances that you know they they could be there or thereabouts. I said before that 
the first uh, four signings this preseason are very much prospects, potential players, squad bolstering players. But from that over a season, you're going to you're going to see these guys, and I thought they performed pretty well. Yeah, I mean, as much as you can take from a ten minute appearance um, in a preseason friendly, I thought. I thought there was enough there to suggest why they've been brought in and what they'll bring to the team. So, um, yeah, I was quite encouraged with what I saw. And given given that before the match we were talking about a potential lack of signings up until this point, um, I don't really have any complaints with, with two new guys coming in and, and you know, potentially proven to be um, viable options, if not off the bench, then hopefully in the starting lineup um, come later in the season. I just want to point out as well, at half-time, O'Reilly was getting a bit of stick in the comments, Laura. 58 minutes on the clock. We actually said at half-time, yeah, you know, you'll be saying that until he plays a, a through ball. And he did just that for Kyogo in 58 minutes. So um, I thought O'Reilly was fine today. And I don't want to finish without saying that McPherson's performance for half an hour as well. I thought he played out his skin, Laura. Yeah, I think he's he's another one who's potentially looking at the opportunity of... And, and this is what you like about his attitude. He's not thinking, oh, I'm a young player. They're just sticking me on for a few minutes here and there in the preseason and then I'll get a loan move or something like that. He's He means business and he's going to do his utmost to become a regular feature in the side. Still got a lot of work to do to prove that, but the least you can ask of him is to have the attitude that he's shown and, and he certainly looks like he's got that in spades. Yep, it does. And thank you to Paul McLean. I think it was a decent enough result and performance. We would have got the win if it wasn't for a dodgy penalty. And hopefully we don't talk about that very often this season, Laura. Um, thanks, everybody, for getting involved. 900 to 1,000 strong on the post-match. Um, if you like what we do, subscribe to the channel. If you want to make a comment on the live stream, subscribe to the channel. I will be at Celtic Park Monday morning for a Wonder Round Paradise. That will be up on the channel by 5 or 6 o'clock. I'm going to stick to 6, actually, 6 o'clock. Monday night for a Wonder Round Paradise and that will be a look back on the week that we've just enjoyed and a look ahead uh, towards next week where we've got two games of football to look forward to, the James Forrest testimonial on Tuesday night and then of course Ross County at Celtic Park for Flag Day. Um, as I said before, we are supporting a couple of charities at the moment. You can still download The Glory and the Dream, which is the single we released in December. And we're supporting young Jamie Tierney, um, the four-year-old who needs our support. And the full story is on the link underneath this video. You can go in there and if you're able to donate as long as we possibly can. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And thank you once again, Laura Bradburn, for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Network.